Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I'm one of the elders at the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ, and I want you to know that it is a privilege to talk to you. In the seventh chapter of the Gospel according to John, we read of one of at least three feasts of the tabernacles that took place during the Lord's public ministry. This feast, celebrated in our month of October, commemorated Israel's wandering in the wilderness and was a festival of thanksgiving for the season's harvest of grain and fruit. It was one of the three great annual feasts requiring the male population within a 20-mile radius to assemble in Jerusalem. Thousands upon thousands of pilgrims would come and set up booths and tents outside the city walls and the population of Jerusalem would swell well beyond its normal size, as you can well imagine. On this occasion, Jesus made many challenging statements and taught some incredible truths related to who he was and what he had come to accomplish. The teaching of Jesus and the reaction of the people to them at the time greatly troubled the religious leaders of the Jews. In John chapter 7, verse 32, we find, The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to seize him. Now these would have been temple officers. They would have been Jews. But let's see what happened. In verses 45 through 49 we find, The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, Never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. The Pharisees then answered them, You have not also been led astray, have you? No one of the rulers or Pharisees has believed in him, has he? But this crowd, which does not know the law, is accursed. The only rebuttal the Pharisees had for the officers when they returned empty-handed was to say that they had been deceived, just like the rest of the people. The Pharisees reasoned that if Jesus was speaking the truth, then surely the rulers and the religious elite and the scholars would have all believed him. But mostly the common people, the rabble, the unlearned, were giving heed to what Jesus said. And I think this certainly shows us that religious leaders, theologians, academic scholars, and other men of reputation can be totally wrong about Jesus and his teachings. The majority of the Pharisees certainly were. Only by looking at Jesus with an open and an honest heart Can we come to know who he is? By looking at Jesus with an open and honest heart, we too will arrive at the same conclusion. Never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. Before we analyze some of the incomparable statements of Jesus that led honest hearts to proclaim, never a man spoke as this man speaks, let's consider briefly who he was. Jesus was the Son of Man. Over 80 times in the New Testament, Jesus is called the Son of Man. 
either by himself or by others. It is an expression that obviously emphasizes and signifies his humanity. However, at the same time, he was God in the flesh. That is what Paul called him in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, according to the King James translation. He did not divest himself of any of his deity when he came to earth. Do I understand that completely? Absolutely not. But I accept it as fact. John chapter 1 and verse 14 tells us, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Pharisees accused Jesus of blasphemy because he said he was the Son of God in John 10.36, and they sought to kill him in John 5.18 because he not only was breaking the Sabbath, but also was calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. About 45 times we find the expression, the Son of God, in the New Testament with reference to Jesus. So he was God and man. But that is not all. This Jesus who spoke like nobody had ever spoken before or since was the prophet. Back in John 7, one of the reactions of the people that so concerned the Pharisees and the chief priest is found in verse 40. It says, Some of the people, therefore, when they heard these words, were saying, This certainly is the prophet. Now we might ask, What prophet? The answer is, The prophet Moses had said God would raise up to whom all were to give ear. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, and then verses 17 through 19, we find, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen. You shall listen to him. Down in verses 17 and 19. The Lord said to me, They have spoken well. I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. It shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. Peter quotes that prophecy in Acts chapter 3 verses 22 and 23 and applies it to Jesus. He was and he is that prophet. He is the mouthpiece of the Father for today. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 tells us God after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. This is Jesus. No wonder never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. Going back to John 7, we find another reaction to the teaching of Jesus among the people that was so true. In verse 41, we find others were saying, this is the Christ. Still others were saying, surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? The word Christ is from the Greek Christos, and the word Messiah is from the Hebrew Messiah. Both words mean anointed. That is who we are talking about. Jesus is the anointed one. Peter, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 36 as he was bringing his stirring sermon to a close, declared, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. That means that God had anointed him prophet, priest, and king. That is who we are talking about. Think of all the great philosophers, scholars, thinkers, 
and just plain brilliant people who have walked this earth. None of them ever spoke like Jesus. And let's spend the rest of our time talking about why. First, my friends, no man ever spoke with such authority. Perhaps you remember the reaction of the people at the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 28 and 29, we read these words. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. The word authority is from the Greek word exousia and refers to the power of rule or government, the power of him whose will and commands must be submitted to by others and obeyed. Jesus said he has all authority in heaven and on earth. In him is the right to rule and command and our job is to submit and obey him. Jesus expressed his authority in such a powerful way in the Sermon on the Mount. How often did he say, you have heard that the ancients were told, but I say to you, regardless of what they had heard, this was the way it was now to be. The expression of the Lord's authority is found in the New Testament today. To follow the New Testament is to honor the Christ. My friends, never has a man spoken with such decisiveness, so resolute, so conclusive. There was no ambiguity or uncertainty with Jesus. <clears throat> Excuse me. He did not equivocate or vacillate. He was not wishy-washy or namby-pamby about anything. When he spoke, people knew where he stood. We all need to take that to heart. Think of some of the things that Jesus said. The Lord taught that there were two roads for men to travel, only two. One is the broad way that leads to destruction, and the other is the narrow or constricted way, and few there be that find it. When it comes to serving God or material possessions, Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. When it came to the necessity of baptism, Jesus did not equivocate. He told Nicodemus in John 3 and verse 5, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. When it came to the necessity of belief, Jesus plainly said in John 8 and verse 24, Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. When it came to the necessity of repentance, Jesus didn't beat around the bush. <coughs> Excuse me. He said in Luke 13 verses 3 and 5, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. When it came to the necessity of obeying his commands, Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? To read the words of Jesus is to know who, where he stands, to know what he expects of us. Thirdly, never has a man spoken the way Jesus spoke with such beauty of simplicity. Jesus used words, phrases, and illustrations that people, regardless of their backgrounds, could understand. Mark makes such a beautiful and telling statement in Mark chapter 12, verse 37. There we find David himself calls him Lord, so in what sense is he his son? And the large crowd enjoyed listening to him. The King James says, 
and the common people heard him gladly. Think of the parable of the sower, the parable of the Good Samaritan, glorious lessons that are as meaningful today as when the Lord first uttered them. What a lesson to learn. We all need to be simple in our presentation of the gospel. We may be great and deep thinkers, magnificent learned scholars, and blessed with the gift of oratory. But what good does it do if people can't understand what we're saying? I think of Paul following the example of the Lord and what he said of his work in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 and 2. Paul wrote, And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Fourth, never has a man spoken with such a powerful effect. Consider Mark chapter 4, verses 36 through 41. The passage tells us, leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. <coughs> Excuse me. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? At the tomb of Lazarus, Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And he did. When Jesus comes again with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, the graves will give up the dead at the voice of Jesus. In John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29, Jesus said, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. Fifth, never has a man spoken the way Jesus did with such scathing denunciations of deception and hypocrisy. Matthew chapter 23 is a chapter that shows like no other the Lord's repugnance toward and repudiation of all false piety and hypocrisy as demonstrated by the scribes and Pharisees. He pronounced seven woes upon them for their fake righteousness. He called them hypocrites eight times, serpents once, a generation of vipers once, fools twice, and blind five times. He accused them of being full of extortion, self-indulgence, hypocrisy, and iniquity. This kind of language throws so many modern preachers and members of the church into a tizzy. You can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar, they will say. And that is true. Sometimes a very easy and gentle approach is called for, but not all the time. Jesus wasn't catching flies. He was uncovering hypocrisy. Twice the Lord cleansed the temple, proclaiming in Matthew 21 and verse 13, it is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer but you are making it a robber's den. In John 2 and verse 16, he said, Take these things away. Stop making my father's house a place of business. His righteous indignation was shown toward those who defiled the temple, and he let it be known in no uncertain terms. The house of God today, the church, 
can be and is being defiled by those who pollute its purpose with unauthorized practices and activities. Six, my friends, never has a man spoken with such kindness, with such tenderness, to the woman taken in adultery and dragged before Jesus by the scribes and the Pharisees with no true concern being shown for her. We find in John chapter 8, verses 10 and 11, straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go, from now on, sin no more. To Martha, Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, verses 41 and 42, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Jesus was never rude or vicious, never vindictive. He was always interested in helping those to whom he spoke, even when the words were hard for them to hear. We must learn this lesson. Jesus spoke with great tenderness and compassion. We should seek to emulate him, speaking the truth always in love. Yes, there are times when rebuke and reproof are called for, but there is a right way and a wrong way to do it. Never has a man spoken with such knowledge of the true and living God. John 1 verse 18 tells us, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Look at John 14 verses 7 through 10. Jesus said, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, Show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. If we want to know about the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, everlasting God, then study the life of Jesus the Christ who came down from the Father and lived among men. Finally, never has a man spoken with such a marvelous offer of salvation. What can I say about his glorious invitation? Look at Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 through 30 where we find, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He has given us the terms of acceptance of that invitation and made it possible through his blood. Surely never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. I want to thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby today. And apologize for my voice, just having a little trouble with it. Again, thanks for listening.